0: This is a News Laundry podcast, and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello, and welcome to Reporters Without Orders. A podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. Today I have with me two reporters, Akanksha Kumar and Arun Singh. Hi guys. Hello. Hi Nidhi. Hi. So as you know, Akanksha is my colleague. She works for us at News Laundry. Arun has been a senior producer and reporter for NDTV and has been working with them for almost three years, right?
1: More than three years.
0: So Arun, can you actually introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from, what you do at NDTV and what you enjoy doing.
1: My name is Arun Singh and i am uh, born and brought up in Punjab, but I started quite early in media with radio in two thousand and ten, so it's been more than eleven years and radio has been my base, dubbing as well but you I s- worked
0: as a dubbing artist yes
1: yeah, I am that voice or up but anyway so um yeah so I, I but i was I was also reporting for a newspaper back in my city, Jalandhar. Mm. I was reporting for Times of India, so I was doing that while I was in college and also doing radio. So yeah, that journalistic Kida was always there. Hmm. So that's how it started. But I joined NDTV in 2018 and I've been doing web, social media, TV, special projects, everything with them.
0: And Akansha, actually, uh, because we're all so familiar, we never ask each other about this. So tell me about your journalism journey and how you've landed up at News Laundry with us.
2: So I've been um, working as a journalist for eight years now. And I started with NDTV as a researcher and then... Yeah, I was... high five. <laughs> well, I also interned at NDTV. <laughs> and then I was at Quint as part of their op-ed team for around, I think, five years. And uh, it was last year that I joined News Laundry as a reporter. So I've been working as a reporter for three years now and ground reporting is something that I really enjoy doing and look forward to hitting the ground for like everything, especially probably I would say the Hindi heartland states, because I think there's been also a gap of like 10 years since I moved from my hometown, um, Allahabad to Delhi. So every time I go back to UP, I think there's something new that I learn about how that place is evolving or you know, going backwards, uh, so to say. Um, So, yeah, that's about it.
0: Right. So we're in the month of September right now. And last year, around the same time, all three of us were uh, reporting from the same little district in Uttar Pradesh, Hathras. Uh, It's also what we're here to talk about today, what happened in Hathras last September. To give our listeners a little bit of context, on September 14th last year, a young Dalit girl was gang raped by four Thakur men, her neighbours. Her mother and brother rushed her to the police station and then to the hospital where she was given treatment for almost two weeks, after which on 29th September, she died. What was even more shocking was that hours after her death, her body was forcibly cremated, or rather burnt. I mean, I don't even know if it's worth calling that a cremation. Um, The three of us, Akansha and, and Arun, covered this story, different aspects of the story. Akansha and I were reporting together. Arun was reporting for NDTV. So Arun, I'll start straight with you. Mm-hmm. Before we dive straight into what happened at Hathras, tell me a little bit about what kind of work you were doing, what led up to that night when you were there, when she her body was burnt.
1: Right. So I was uh, covering the usual stories. I don't really remember which story I was on. But I remember there was one of our reporters at Safdarjung. So I was not a part of the story at all. I was doing some other story. And for those who know, uh, a TV reporter's day is very hectic. I mean, you wake up with a story given to you, you keep start doing the lives. By 5pm, you give a story, you file a story, and then again, you're back on the live. So you keep Doing the, those lives and you, you're you really not aware about, you know, what is going in someone else's day. You definitely know, okay, there is this story which is developing and everybody is talking about. But you definitely, there's so much on your own plate that you right. don't really dive into it. So that was my headspace. Mm. And I knew uh, one of our colleagues was there at Sabda And uh, I was done with my day mm. uh, on that evening. And then I got a call you have to rush to Hathras. This is after she had passed away, mm. and I was like, okay. And then in my head, I was like, okay, we'll go, we ch- we'll check in at a place, and then I'll sleep well, and tomorrow I'll start doing what I've been doing here. But uh, turns out, it I mean, didn't that's go not as what happened. Right. Yeah.
0: So before we come back to what exactly happened, Akansha, can you? Uh, so we were together, but can you draw us a picture of what? we were doing and how we ended up in Hathras that time.
2: So I I remember that uh, I think we were not, you know, we had not gone to UP to cover Hathras. For us, it all began almost, I think, 10 days ago when we had set out to do, you know, stories around multiple incidents of rape from Lakheempur Kheri district of UP. And uh, this was in August. So we had decided to spend at least a week in Lakhimpur and try and understand if there is an underlying factor which could explain these uh, multiple incidents of rape. And every incident uh, which had been reported in Lakhimpur was also very different from the other. So like in one case, there was a local BJP leader who was trying to give it an angle of love jihad because the accused was a Muslim. And in the other case, uh, there was, of course, uh, uh, it was a Dalit minor victim who had uh, gone to uh, the field for defecation and the next day she was found dead and strangled. So there was also a caste divide uh, between the Dalit and I think not all uh, accused were from the dominant caste, but they shared the same uh, sort of living space. And once we were done with this assignment and like, I mean, I'll share uh, something that even as I, as I started as a reporter, I think somehow I had not covered rape as closely as I did when we were doing this assignment in Lakhimpur. And for the first time, I think I realized that it does take a toll on you as a person. So I think that week-long assignment in Lakhimpur had drained both of us. And by that time, when we were about to leave for Delhi, I think uh, newspapers had started giving space to Hatra's incident. I think there
0: was one report in Express, which was on the bottom uh, left corner of the newspaper, which had a brief of what had happened, which is what got sent on our WhatsApp group.
2: I so think. I think the very ghastly details of the incident were already out. I mean, I'm not sure why it didn't really catch that much attention or uh, led to anger and hysteria. But uh, the fact that she had already suffered paralysis and, you know, it it, it was a condition called quadriplegia where she couldn't uh, move her limbs and all was already out in papers. And because of the very, again, uh, the brutal way the incident was carried out a stark reminder, if I may say so, of the Nirbhya incident, where the very fact that her intestines were pulled out during the incident, and that was one thing which had actually caught the attention of people. This incident still hadn't reached that level, which is when our editors decided that we have to now go to Hathras. And I think we were probably the first ones among the so-called Delhi media houses to interact with the family who had moved Asha, which is, I think, the name that News Laundry is has been using instead of her real name. And she was recuperating at Aligarh Medical College then. And I think they had shifted her to the ICU and we met Asha's father brother and yeah, cousins so tell me tell me
0: a little bit when we so when we reached at aligarh i remember that it was almost deserted and let's not forget this is also during the pandemic right so the first wave had just passed and we were sort of gathering ourselves from all of that and then we reached aligarh the hospital was quite deserted and i remember walking in and there was no uh, there was no reporters we met her brother who was sitting uh, on the floor of the hospital who actually was pleading for the media to say something. So, Akansha, if you can tell us a little bit about, you know, so we spent the first day at Aligarh Hospital and the next day with the family. So, what really stood out for you in, in those on those meetings with the family at the hospital and at home?
2: So, usually, you know, whenever you go and interview anyone in connection with the story and it could be something for as basic as, let's say, shortage of water or power cuts, people just want to talk about the problem and they will, uh, you know, rant and whine and they will say everything that helps you understand what is it that they're enduring on a daily basis. Here, what stood out for me was the fact that not only was, uh, you know, the victim's father and brother talking about the incident and how badly, you know, this woman was treated. A common refrain was that, They were constantly saying that, you know, we've been trying to reach out to media, but no one is hearing us. And one of Asha's cousins then showed me his tweet and he had tagged, you know, some, you know, mainstream news channels and still he hadn't got any response. Uh, Apparently, by then, they had also reached out to local Dalit leaders as well, in an effort to create some sort of ripple and get attention. So probably, that's how it made it to local media and to newspapers. But they were craving for attention, hoping that it that will help them get justice. And they were not really sure about police action as well, because the Victim's brother told us that uh, the police was first arrested them, then let, let them go, then arrested them again. There was some delay in filing the FIR as well when they had gone to the nearest Chandpa police station. One of the cops had said, And that had led to the, you know, suspicion that, you know, they will not get justice from the local police, the local judicial system or criminal justice system, which is in place.
1: And I think if you, I mean, look at stories, you often wonder why did this story become this big is what I used to wonder about this story as well. That because we, I mean, here are so many cases uh, of violence against women. But one day, I was also thinking that why Hathras actually, uh, you know, and how caught attention, because I think it, this story exposed the reality on so many levels. Like one case that exposed the reality of poverty of rural India, women, women coming from scheduled caste community. So it exposed the reality of the real India on so many levels. Hence, it started picking up. And of course, uh, the way justice is you know handled, and the way local officials, as Akanksha was also rightly pointing, how what kind of stuff they hear when you go to report crimes like these.
0: Do you think it would have been what it was if the body hadn't been burnt that way? Uh,
1: I'm sure it was. It was going to, uh, of course, get that kind of attention for sure. But that uh, definitely, I, I think it became what it became because of that incident as well.
0: Right. Right. So just to follow up on something that Akansha said, it was, I think it's the same for me in terms of like what we met and what we saw with the family and I still remember two things that really like I still really recall is one, I remember Akansha and I came back to the hotel and we were, we switched on the news after having this intense conversation. The only thing that was going on was Sushant Singh Rajput at that point on TV channels. And another moment which I thought was really precious in this reporting for us was when we met the mother. And uh, we kept, we also asked her a couple of times, you know, what did you see when you, when you saw your daughter in that moment? And she kept saying something bad had happened, something bad had happened. And then we had this moment where she walked us to the crime scene. And it was just her, uh, there was uh, another woman relative, and it was the two of us. And there she really, at the scene of crime, described what she saw that day. And it was very, very, I think, even for me, very difficult to digest how she had found her daughter. The details of what marks she saw on the body uh, was very difficult to digest. And then to see what the case then became and how the administration dealt with it was a whole other thing. Uh, But Akansha and I then returned to Delhi on the evening of 27th. And I think on 29th is when she passed away. And her brother sent us a message at 7.16 in the morning. I still have a screenshot of it saying... Ma'am, Abdidi Nahirahi. And the both of us were just so caught up in finishing our report that. I don't think we even thought or it ever crossed our mind the body would be cremated that way. So we were obviously like, okay, we'll file our story and then it'll get published. And then the next day we'll go back if there's something to go back for. Uh, But Arun, you were there that night. You went to Hathras. and, And now, yeah, tell me, like, on your way to Hathras, what were you thinking you were going to report on?
1: Right. So while I was on my way, there was this confusion about where the body is. I don't know how did that start. I don't know if you guys also experienced that during that evening when she, after i mean after that she passed away there was this suspicion that family didn't know where the body was they were not letting them see her and there was this entire confusion.
0: I just know that I got a couple of calls from a brother saying the body's gone for autopsy, but like it's never come back, and I haven't really seen her body yet. So that that's so that's all rep- I heard.
1: Our reporter at Jung was also hearing the same, and mm. but they were also saying the family was saying we don't know where the body is. I mean, we just want access, which I was hearing while I was on my way to Hathras. And again, as I said, I was just thinking we'll go check in and then just go about it, but then. Um, while I was on my way, I started contacting local reporters. Uh, of course, I got help from desk. I started searching on Facebook. And I started contacting these local reporters at Hathras. So I had called three or four people, I think, on, on my way. But then I get a call, which is again from an unknown number, a number which I had not called on. And this guy says, Sir, I think these people do the evening, the And I'm like... Okay, this can't happen. And I was like, "Huh, GGG. And we know as reporters, sometimes we get calls from locals where they're just trying to, you know, tell you things. Sometimes they're just trying to maybe, you know, build a rapport kind of thing. And I thought it is one of those calls. And I was like, gee, 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 because not in my wildest dreams, I thought this would come true. And I told my camera person, I said, but they they won't do it. So that was the first call that I got while I was on my way. Uh, Then I get another call. And then they're like, and this time it was some local reporter. And he's like, local bata rahe ki kuch la dekha Then I was like, okay, now, I mean, it it is not just essay. Kaha suni. It is, there is some truth to it. But still, I was just keeping it at backside of my head. Hmm. that Okay, this is just a secondary thing. Of course, the, again, the primary job right now is just go there, see it, and then start reporting from tomorrow. So by the time we reached there and I thought, okay, let's just, you know, let's just visit. If it was 12, 11.30, is when we reached. And I thought, let's just visit the place. So we go there and there was barricading done. And this was the same barricading that we all had to stop our vehicles at yeah. during the following days. So there was barricade put, I think, that night only. And again, you have these local cops who would be like, Arey, sir, aap Kahan and this is what we encountered while we reached. And we were like, yes oh, sir, Hame us go like, Gaadi nahi. So they were expecting us to not go inside because it's night. And they were like, sir, Sara Rasta is How would you go? And we were like, we go. So had phone ka torch on. Ke, and we started walking towards this place which you all know, I think was 10 to 15 minutes walking to their place from that barricade. And So uh, just to
0: draw a picture, basically, uh, the house is a little away from the highway. And uh, when the incident happened, I think for for almost a week after, or more than that, almost two weeks, I think, they had barricaded the area 1.5 kilometers away from the house. So anyone who wanted to go, they wouldn't say you can't. But there was this sort of quiet way of deterring people from entering. Uh, So you can't really say they have stopped you. But in a way, they've also tried everything they can do to not really uh, encourage you to go there, if I can say that.
1: Yeah, yeah. and Mm -hmm. I missed one detail of it before we started walking. Mm -hmm. Uh, After, of course, encountering these cops here, I said, let's go to the local police station. Let's just see if I get a bite. And again, my thought was, let's get a bite, which I can use tomorrow. And let's listen to what they want to say, what they have to say, if there is any official. And when we went there, that was my biggest sign that they were up to something, because it was loaded, it was like packed with people with cars, and there were senior officials there. And then we thought, okay, now something is going to happen, the number of people there, the number of cars, senior officials,
0: and this is a tiny police station.
1: Exactly, this is a really tiny police station. And it could barely accommodate the number of cars also that we saw that night. Then I was sure, okay. Then I connected all the dots. I said, definitely, this something is going to happen. And while we come back to this barricade and started walking, then I saw one vehicle which is which looked like a fire engine, but it had a floodlight kind of thing. That also gave us another hint that why would they, you know. And that eventually we saw that floodlight installed at that cremation ground. So hence we could understand. But while we were walking and it was 12, 12.30ish, while we saw this light, and the moment we reached at that uh, at their place, again there was a lot of force. And my first reaction was, let's shoot a piece to camera here, just to tell the situation, and pro- because we'll go home after this. Again, I was just giving them a benefit of doubt, and we st- and nobody was ready to talk to us. There was a joint magistrate also there. I tried to talk to him off camera. He refused. But as reporters, we know what to do. We start the camera and I just shoved my mic in front of him. And that's what we did because they were just not ready to talk to us. And I switched on the camera, started doing my piece to camera. And then I just, you know, shoved my camera in front of him. And I was like, sir, kya seen? And he's like, nahi pata, nahi pata, kya hai body. And I asked him, there's also this, you know, entire confusion about where the body is. Do you think it's being brought here? What's the status? He said, we have no idea. And we switch off the camera and just after two minutes, a few minutes, we see that entire convoy of vehicles where body was being brought.
0: And this is on an ambulance.
1: Yes, yeah. ambulance, uh, but accompanied by a number of other vehicles
2: as well. Right. So were you going to ask something? About? And how, like, were there any family members present there uh, when she was cremated? Like who all were present there?
1: Okay, so can I give more details about what happened later? So of course. What, yeah. So they had just come and we saw parents getting off that uh, car and they were with senior officials and everything. And then the ambulance uh, started from that point, the dropping point, And then it tried to cross the house where the relatives... Try to stop it. Now, while all of this is happening, and of course, the relatives are saying no, the body will go home first. And uh, we eavesdropped to one um, conversation between the DM and uh, the family. And then the DM was saying, So on the way, so you they were also convinced. Te- like
0: you also have to tell us how you had that conversation because you were journalists allowed inside. Were, were they? Were they? How were they behaving towards journalists? Because that says a lot about how transparent they're willing to be about the process, right? Okay,
1: on that night, first, there weren't many journalists. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was there and uh, Tanushree from India Today was there. We were from TV. And uh, I think TV crew just catches more attention because of camera, light and whatever. Uh, so they weren't too aware about that while we, we were there because they wanted to sort this out. So at first, there wasn't any attention being paid to us. But they definitely knew there is media there. So while that happened where the relatives were trying to stop the ambulance, then we actually eavesdropped to this conversation where they were saying that bola the tha and all that. And then he, the father said, so my relatives are actually you know of the opinion that it should go to home first hence i would want to go with them and they started convincing them not only the dm but also other uh, other uh, cops as well now uh, they the moment they realized okay now there's media they went inside the house and then they started doing this convincing thing there was also one cop who was not I, i'm assuming uh, was not a like a senior uh, cop but he knew the local let's say language or the way to convince, and he was—he took charge and he started telling them, that we have seen cases. We who have What And he was being emotional as well. He was, uh, you know, choosing the right words. I would say he was nice to them, but again, his motive was to convince them. And they kept saying, no media ab While they were doing all of this, so I was like, "Okay, I, I shouldn't let them." Know that I, so I hid my mic and I was I sat at a corner and and on ground I'm that person who doesn't like to flash people or doesn't like to like people to know that I am around. I would always hide and I will not even show my mic and everything because I just like to witness things as they are and then do my thing. So that's what I was doing. And uh, they were convincing. I saw saw all of that where the DM, all other officials kept convincing them and they, uh, the family kept insisting that, you know, this is what we want to do. It's not fair. And it's against the traditions as well. That was really sad to witness all of that. And imagine um, this family would have been intimidated by now, so much on the way during that time, and they've lost a girl. And to such a heinous crime then uh, uh, tanushree walked in and the the camera had light on and then he immediately said ma'am aapke samne main baat I to and she said sir keje, karungi sir ye
0: dm sahab se dm sahab se baat hui dm dm
1: all of that happened, and then there were uh, again multiple attempts. Now what happens is, one person comes and he's like, Sabko media ko wahan hai. And I knew now what they're going to do is, they want us to be away from ambulance. And we were like, and my eyes were on the ambulance. And that's what happened. We were called there and the ambulance just ran. But again, it was stopped at another point. And that is when the DM and that joint magistrate were wearing helmets and talking to people. And that's where I also happened to shoot uh, the part where the DM was shouting at the relatives, at parents, that drama laga rakha, and terrible language. So, I mean, that was also equally shocking.
0: Where were the scenes where I know that some of the women relatives had almost thrown themselves in front of the vehicle? Some of them had gotten injured. Including the mother, by the including way. Including the mother, right? So where did that happen? Did that, did that happen the moment the ambulance had come home for the first time? No.
1: So it was first it was trying to cross past the house and then relatives were there who started stopping. And while all of the convincing is happening, that's when the relatives chose to sit right in front of the ambulance and we won't let it go and it all like happened for like let's say half an hour 45 minutes or an hour so they started dispersing people and in a way they tried to take the ambulance towards the cremation ground but again they were stopped again and that is when the situation started getting a little tensed also and that dm shouted and then bombarded at these guys
0: so if i can ask what was uh as you were observing the parents and especially the father what what were they reacting like were they able to be put their foot down and say no this is what we want were they in shock what was going through what did you witness when you were looking at, at parents
1: mm-hmm. I think all of us would agree here uh, when we report or when we talk to families who've been exposed to media so much or who are questioned again and again they lose patience and sometimes they say Arey, sir kya karoge bar bar I did not witness that with them at all that is one thing I would like to point out they were so patient with media as well despite many of reporters or media house's kind of yeah. didn't behave the way they should have. Despite that, they were quite nice and patient. On that night also, while all of this was happening, I spoke to the father as well on camera. And I asked him, Sir, what are you thinking kya What kya is And then he on camera said, they are asking that we can do antim at night. But then he said, I want to to the because my Rishadar are against it. So that's what their stand was. So that, I mean, her father, you know, in a very, I don't know, how do I say it? I mean, he didn't look intimidated, but he was also not very strong on, let's say, putting his foot down. He's like, I'll see. I mean, I have relatives on one hand and I have officials on the other. I've listened to both, but let's see, kind of situation was there on that night.
0: Hmm. And them. and then what happened? Then the, the ambulance moves towards the cremation ground?
1: Yeah, it's it just sped away and uh, all of us started running. By the time we reached there, police had formed a human chain.
0: Which again, just to paint a picture, is hardly like what, 500, 600 km, uh, meters from the house? Yeah. From what I know, the relatives said that they could, uh, like if they stand on their roof, they can see the place where she was burnt.
1: Yeah, it was an open space. Right. Yeah. So,
0: was it a designated cremation ground or was it a clearing?
1: It was a clearing, but then we heard from a few locals that this was a place designated for this community.
0: The Dalits. Yeah,
1: to cremate. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, we reached that that place and police didn't uh, let any of us, uh, you know, go there. And many of us were questioning, are are you even burning the body? What are you know. And uh, so Tanushri started talking to this cop and she shot him as well, where he was just not letting her go. I And my camera person, Pawan, were also just shocked at the mere sight of it, that imagine we started thinking, I mean, we started from Delhi thinking that they would not do it. And there we were witnessing after all of this drama. And uh, so we went to the fields so that we get the shots of what was happening. We caught it and it was just terrible, and then I started looking for her father because in all of this where, you know, they're calling at you at one spot, the ambulance is stopping at multiple spots. In all of that confusion, all of a sudden I was like, wait, where are her parents? Do I see them? Are they here? Are they around? And we thought, let's go and check at their place. And my camera person was like, let's, we should definitely go to her place and check. So
0: by then the body is burning. Something yes, is burning. Yes. Mm.
1: And we come back and we see it's locked. Not from outside, but from inside. Who locked it? God knows. Did they lock on their own will? We don't know. When we reached there and, and I said, where is the father? And they said, he's not well and he's sleeping inside. And this was the relatives telling me. And they did not know that the body was burnt. And they were like, sir, Kuch don't know We 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 to We Is what they said. And then I told them, this was while we were shooting this. And I told them, actually, they have and they were like, Yeah hai?" Oh, okay. So imagine the state of a family who's lost a loved one to such a heinous crime and having witnessed all of that on that night and then they just couldn't see her for one last time as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and Akansha B we went back the next day to a family that was still struggling to grapple with the idea that not just that they lost their daughter, but the body was burnt in such a brazen manner. And what what did What do you think you witnessed that day, like when we went back on the
2: morning of the 30th? So I think this was our second trip to Hathras and by that time, the place had just been transformed into a jamboree if that's the right word I can use because of course there were police barricades and there were dozens of like media personnel at their house perched on their rooftops sitting outside uh, you know inside under the tent which was meant for PAC personnel and we spoke to a couple of their relatives and none of them had got that moment to bereave to mourn the loss I remember two of her aunts whom we had uh, spoken to outside their house and they were telling us that, uh, you know, they had gone to the hospital also where she had described uh, what had happened. And they were quite sad that, you know, the cremation didn't happen during daytime as it is supposed to under the Hindu custom because usually whenever uh, someone dies, enough time is given to, uh, you know, relatives to come to your house uh, if they are in other towns and cities so that everyone can be a part of that funeral procession so that you can be with your loved one during the last journey. And all of these relatives, you know, they were tracking the story. I, I remember one of her cousins showing us this, uh, you know, feed on her Facebook profile where, you know, her name and her photo, uh, you know, which was not Maud, was doing the rounds, And it was quite sad to see them that way because in in a sense, the system was being very unjust to them and they didn't really get time to express their solidarity with the family. And in the middle of all of that, uh, there were, you know, these media personnel, the local media uh, guys, the Delhi media guys just shoving their mics. And um, I still remember, I think uh, we were not sure whether we wanted to interview the mother again. And I remember her you know sitting inside the room and she had given so many interviews it must be around noon that her voice was gone and I remember just taking this shot from outside the room where she was just peeling this halls and a relative had given and the relative was then telling me Ki inki awaz hai, bol hai. which is when I think both of us decided that we don't want to interview the mother and we spoke to cousin sister cousin brother and Uh, other relatives. So it it had changed completely the attention that they were craving for. They were getting it. But was it worth it? Did it really do any good? Because I remember that both of us filed this story that there were different theories doing the rounds I Some remember him, there was the whole hashtag Naxal Barbie thing that yeah. had just been I done. was just going
1: to come to that I mean yeah. imagine having to deal with all of that plus the conspiracy theories yeah. which we were I think as reporters were also hearing from locals from police people
0: yeah I think that's when it sort of started because these I mean even for us I was just telling Arun before also like it was so hard to keep up minute by minute what was happening with the story because everything just kept changing and I remember when we went also her father had just been taken for a video conference uh, with the chief minister Yogi Adityanath and he'd come back looking so uh, blank and he said yeah uh, the chief minister said this was a horrible incident and they're going to constitute an SIT but like he, he wasn't even able to piece together everything that had happened in the last few hours sorry continue Akansha you were going
2: and um because like since it was a conscious call that both of us had taken to mm-hmm. let you know that we leave the family alone and we started taking a round of the village because we wanted to interact with the Thakurs. we wanted to interact with the family of the accused and here once again I would like to just uh talk about media and how some of our own biases also creep into our reportage which is also which also explains why you know uh, reporting is not that objective and i remember interacting with this uh, gentleman outside the family of outside the house of the accused who justifies uh, killing of another woman in some other district of up And he says that, oh, you know, she knew the guy. And the next day, uh, you know, we carried a story that her foot slipped near the hand pump and she died. Uh, I mean, of course, madam, you would understand this is just like honor killing. And I was like so shocked because, you know, you've been with the family right when they were trying hard to get the best medical treatment for their daughter. They wanted her to, you know, live and I remember her father telling us on camera that every time I'm going in, inside the ICU, she's telling me I want to go home. And yet there is this, you know, media guy propounding his own uh, conspiracy theory without any basis. And I think that was very shocking for me. Yeah.
1: And this is after she had named those guys as well on camera. Yeah. She also gave a dying declaration as well in front of the magistrate. So,
0: so, as far as I understand, even her speaking to the journalist on camera is to be counted as a dying declaration. So, in that sense, she's actually given five dying declarations, naming the men, telling that I've been raped, I've been raped, I've been raped. And then we have the ADG of Lucknow police, who then went ahead and held a press conference where he says there was no sperm, so there was no
2: rape.
1: <laughs>
0: Firstly, it's a completely bizarre statement to make because for rape, you don't have to have ejaculation. If you do, then like it it gets detected only in 48 hours. And this is uh, and the actually, the hospital CMO came out and said the FSL report was collected 11 days later, so this doesn't really hold water. Uh, and then we saw the administration saying that this was a conspiracy to make the UP government fall. Uh, and shortly after that, Siddiqui Kapan got arrested and continues to be in jail a year later. Uh, right. So when I mean, you've both reported on ground and then and then you're witnessing this whole other narrative churn out, right? Uh, what was going through your mind? How how was it possible to then continue reporting objectively? Like, was that a challenge?
1: Honestly, my first reaction was what is this circus it has become? Because you feel so sad. Because again, as the Kangsha said, you witnessed all of that. You feel so sad to hear even the conspiracy theories. But to see what it became later was... Terrible. Because not only by other political parties, because we started seeing, oh, by the way, at the same barricade, we started seeing installation of these tents. Each tent was occupied by a political party and they would sit there with their banners. It was getting politicized. It had to get politicized and I think it required all of that. But at the end, it became all about everybody just hungry for attention, whether it was few um, news channels where uh, you know they started running campaigns that this channel is a bit of a thing that they are doing. It became about them. It became about we are doing it. It became about they released a hashtag that we are doing it with their name in it. And this channel is a bit of a thing. And I'm like, wait, what? How did it become this? because you've seen you know and again on the on that day and, and the next morning i spoke to the fa- uh, father again the brother and uh, again uh, being you know sensitive if they were not okay to come on the camera i would just you know talk to them okay acha one of her brothers were like you we like okay but uh, the entire house also kind of became a studio for a lot of channels and you know some anchors have this st- tone have this kind of uh, this performing voice I don't know what you really call it and that started happening there people started anchoring shows from there on that day at top of their voices and you would just think what is the circus
0: yeah I remember we went remember when we went to the opposite village where which is where the panchayat is and there was this woman from republic Uh, And we wanted to speak to uh, the the head of the panchayat and we tried to have a conversation and she said, I'm sitting here from morning eight to evening eight and it's live. So nobody else can speak to him right now because he's on camera. And she said, if you want, then you can speak like you can continue to speak, but you'll also be live. And it was just, it was a whole circus, like you said. I don't think there's any other word to describe uh, what was going on. And of course, that's when the theories got stronger and stronger. And I
1: think we also stopped discussing how uh, authorities were not being held accountable. We lost the plot, basically. Yeah. There were so many questions that were supposed to be asked. Why was government silent for so long? We all remember how the statement came much later. And this conversation that uh, Nidhi, you were pointing out uh, between CM and the family also happened quite late, I believe. So there were so many questions that were to be asked, which is got lost in Hamejaan and Yandar Diajaaraha and conspiracy theories and uh, international conspiracy. Yeah. So that was heart wrenching.
2: And I think uh, another characteristic feature of such stories which tend to go viral, I, I feel is that there will be one, you know, senior journalist or one, you know, influencer who will come up with his or her own theory of how what is being reported is not really the truth and in this case there was a very senior female journalist who had said that caste has nothing to do with it why are we you know taking that line and everyone had then just started questioning her that how can you be so tone deaf and for me I mean and I think we were in Delhi and I was also like are we sort of uh, projecting the right thing I hope we are on right track But for me, whatever part of, you know, Hathra stories that we've reported together, it has also helped me understand how very important it is to trust people you meet on the ground. Because it was the entire family, even her cousins who were working outside the village they all narrated their stories of discrimination, how people wouldn't stop at their you know, door or how even their grandfather was attacked during one such caste-related
1: feud. And
2: Yet there was this journalist in Delhi refusing to acknowledge the fact that caste had also a role to play why she was raped uh, by Thakur so I think for us it was it's it's also some food for thought as to what angle you are taking and why it is important when there are dozens from one family saying that we've been discriminated for generations now. And that is why I remember her aunt saying this, and that one not just to a speaks volumes about why this family was meted out the treatment that they did after the incident came to light. Right. And,
0: you know, it's been a year now. We're sitting here discussing what happened. When do you think hatra stopped being news?
1: I think farmers' protest. Hmm. That was when, again, uh, it's all about focus. It's all about the top story for bulletins, for channels. I think that is when. But um, I believe... There were a few who kept going back to it and continued with the reporting. But I believe as soon as the TV got another top story, Hmm. I think it stopped.
0: I also want to, I mean, one of my last questions, I want to ask both of you, was there something that, you know, you saw on field that day, you saw on ground that day that couldn't go into a report because we're so structured with this idea of remaining objective, remaining fair? Were there things that you felt that couldn't go into the story that you were trying to say? And the second part of the question is, was this one of those cases that left an impact on you as a reporter? Let me put it that way.
1: I don't think I mean, the first part of the question, I don't have an exact answer to that. But to the second part of your question, the impact it had on me during that reporting, I I had zero impact, I had no effect on my head at all. And I again, I kept going there and coming back. You know, after months as well, we visited Hathras, and um, but during those days, uh, while I was there, I had zero impact. But when I came back, and then I thought about every single thing, and those visuals started playing in my head. And again, when you're on ground, you're quite, you know, rational and practical. And while we were trying to, you know, get hold of all these officials or talk to the family, it hit me later that we were you know, hopping around a dead body of someone who's met such a heinous crime. The conversation just diverted from there and how it was, I mean, that, that point which hit me that, you know, we were around a dead body in the dead of the night and we were just trying to figure things out, but sit back and just think, you know, what that family would have gone through. That really impacted me later. While I was there, it didn't, honestly, I was quite I mean, it didn't really affect me mentally there because you're trying to just run there, you know, just make bring together the story. Hmm. But after a week or two, I think it just hit me.
0: Hmm. And what about you, Akansha?
2: I think um, some of uh, uh, details that emerged during interaction with uh, her bhabhi as to who this person was, what she was like. Hmm. um, And I remember you know, her sister-in-law showing us these mats woven out of, you know, old clothes that she was very fond of making. Um, She was fond of collecting nail paints and everything, every object related to her that could give a semblance of memory was clearly wrapped in a polythene bag I tried to share some of those snaps in the Twitter thread while we were teasing the story. But uh, of course, when we are on the ground, the focus is so much on like who, what, where, when, that I think these details couldn't be a part of the story. And I think in terms of how it impacted me as a reporter, I mean... uh, Since I also come from a farmer's background and I've seen these uh, instances and I've been a witness when, you know, people from lower caste in my village in near Fatehpur district in UP, they, if they're from lower caste, they won't sit on the same charpoy and they would try and touch our feet and we would all often tell them that no, this is not how it's supposed to be, thinking that we are doing our bit to, you know, bridge this caste divide. And... When we met this neighbor of Asha and, you know, we also interacted with her two kids who were made to sit separately in school because they belong to valmiki community. And we even asked their mother that, do you think this is how it's supposed to be? And she's like, lekin isme kya hai? Aisa hi hota hai. And their thakur next door, we asked him, uh, do you really go to their weddings? we not not we So for me as a reporter, I have realized that it's very important to keep on exposing these fault lines and uh, talk about them. Uh, because I think another debate, at least on Instagram, was that why is it that news channels are getting women from upper caste to talk about the crime? There are... Uh, representatives, female representatives within the community who've had their own sort of trajectory of climbing up the ladder, why aren't they given a chance? So I think as a reporter, I would always look out for these faces from the marginalized community who have been subjected to discrimination for generations now. And I would make an honest attempt to probably highlight their plight with every story.
1: As you also pointed about this uh, uh, reporter who said, why, why is it, you know, why are we mentioning caste? Why are we talking about caste here? And I think it's such, it comes from a place of privilege. And I know that right and uh, when it comes to you know uh, very recently we have seen um, punjab cm being appointed and i made a video on my instagram and i got so many dms or comments why are you mentioning his cast? why is it a big deal and i replied dude this is the first dalit cm you've had do you think it is it's a big not deal. a you haya yeah, exactly yeah. How, why do you why do you, how do you expect me to not name this because it has never happened. And that tells the story that it has never happened because there is a bias or whatsoever. So, you know, even in this, also there were few reports that were saying, why are we mentioning caste? But this is a caste-inflicted crime. Yeah. And people don't understand why mentioning caste is important, especially when you're reporting from Hindi Heartland. Yeah. And to give a sense of what they go through on a daily basis is, you look at the house. We've all gone there. The kind of condition the house has, they're on the edge of the village, they have a garbage dump around it, whereas if you see uh, houses of other communities, they're very well built. And, you know, so that's the contrast. And then you say, and then imagine, I mean, being intimidated, you know, you would be intimidated in a surrounding like that.
0: Yeah, and it and it continues. I mean, the last time we went back, which was on 14 September, uh, exactly a year after uh, we met this young girl, uh, the story will be out by the time the podcast is where she actually said that um, the threat of violence has actually increased for the Dalit girls, because the Thakurs in the village have gotten so angry that their names have gotten spoiled, that they now continue to threaten younger girls that they will do the same to them. That they might meet the same fate. And her mother, when I asked her, you know, is there still discrimination? She says, yes, but it's the same thing that it's so normal. She said, when the vegetable vendor comes, uh, he will place what vegetables we have to have outside our gate. We're not allowed to go and touch the vegetables. Or when we go to the shop, if we touch something, it's considered impure. Uh, if we give money, they will sprinkle water on it before taking it. It's all like a very, very real part of their everyday life um, and I asked the girl I said you know is this something that these men do to all the women in the village or is it particularly towards Dalit women and she said they think with us they can and that's the whole difference of course they also Eve these other women but with Dalit women they think they can um, which I think is a fine line and, and it's really that intersectional violence that I think a lot of people fail to understand
1: and it's not only they can it's also they can get away with.
0: exactly exactly that that comes with um, yeah. a lot of impunity right yeah. okay um so just to give our listeners a little bit of context of what happened in the last one year right now the case is in trial there's it's in in two sections at the Lucknow bench of the Alabad High Court the case of the forced cremation is being heard at the special court in Hathras district the case of the forced uh, the case of the gang rape and murder is being heard about 13 witnesses have been cross-questioned her brother is being cross-questioned as we speak I think tomorrow he, he will have his last round of cross-questioning which is the 23rd of September and uh Hopefully, uh, it's not just the conviction of the four men that we're waiting for. We're also looking at what will happen to the officials who uh, who gave a go-ahead for that body burning to take place. Uh, my hunch is that. Uh, it's very possible that they'll convict the men and, and we'll never find out what really happened to those officials because even for that DM to get transferred it took months and I remember it happened on New Year's Eve that the DM got transferred the UP administration kept telling in court that we will not be transferring him we will not be transferring him but uh, uh, the court has raised some good strong questions against the officials so let's hope that we see some action being taken on them uh, but thank you so much Arun for joining us thank you for the work you did um this is, I guess, where journalism truly is public service. If not for reporters like you and Tanushree, we would never have known uh, what ha- actually happened that night. So, so really, thank you so much. But
1: thanks for having me, and at the same time, I really appreciate for the uh, appreciate you guys for the work you guys did, especially in this story. Then the minute details, and thanks for continuing to do that and go back to Hathras and the story.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Before I let you go, uh, are there any? is there anything you would like our listeners, uh, you would want to recommend about something that you've been doing? I also would really recommend Arun's Instagram, which is <laughs> okay. a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> it's an alter ego there. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: it's great. It's great.
1: Okay, so um, uh, again, because I am quite indulged on Instagram and I watch a few reels and where I uh, saw one someone doing Amrita Preetham's poems, So I really like Punjabi content generally and I create also. So then I started, you know, reading a lot about her and I've been watching her interviews. So I would uh, recommend reading her stories or her poem, Mehta Nufair Milangi. It's a beautiful poem and uh, not only that, also her interviews as well. Mm. She was, uh, she, so she wrote romantic poems and her genre is romantic progressive and she was feminist, and uh, the way she wrote in her times is really empowering. I believe, so it's it's she she's been a beautiful writer, and her interviews really tell what her personality was. Where in like one interview, she says that uh, someone was going like going to meet her, and on his way that guy uh, met a sabziwala or fruit wala, and then he gave him kele and he said please Amrita de dena ye, aur main manlunga, haj kar and then she started crying while narrating all of this so I, I think I really recommend I would really uh, you, uh, like your listeners to check out Amrita Pritham's work.
2: Great and Akansha what is your recommendation for us? Um, I would recommend this book. Uh, It's an autobiography of VSP founder Kashi Ram by Badri Narayan. Uh, He's a professor based in UP who follows uh, who has followed uh, Dalit politics. like, I think for more than a decade now. And the story, I mean, this book helps you understand the timeline of the mobilization of Dalits uh, in UP. There was something called the Nara Maveshi movement in the 60s, where, you know, some leaders from the Dalit caste, uh, they said and they revolted that, you know, our men won't be rearing cattle and our women won't be just cutting umbilical cords in your houses that we'll like, you know, from now on, we'll also try and figure out uh, our own identity. And that's how this entire process of Bahujan Samaj party began, Hmm. uh, which of course now is also debatable if it has actually trickled down to the bottom of the pyramid. But if you want to understand what it was to live like a Dalit in UP, then I I will recommend this book by Badri Narayan.
0: Right. And uh, my recommendation for this week is actually a short film made by the New York Times. It's about 16 minutes. Um, It's about this journalist, Jason Perry, who actually started investigating. He broke the story of the sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. Uh, And he'd been writing about it since 1985. And only, I think, 20 years later, it really, the news really broke in Boston Globe. And then we saw Spotlight Film, which went on to win all kinds of awards. So there's a sentence in that where uh, the documentary is really about how Mr. Berry grapples with those questions and what it means to spend years ringing an alarm bell that nobody is willing to hear. And this is his story of how he really worked on that story for for his almost entire life. Uh, So it's a wonderful 16 minute uh, documentary and I'd really recommend our listeners to watch. So thank you Akansha and Arun for joining us. Uh, Listeners, these are the kind of stories we want to give time for but as you can see we're sitting a year later and talking about a case like Hathras which means that it's been a year of also going back to the ground multiple times and this also means we need a lot of resources, energy and money Uh, so please do consider subscribing to us if you like our work. Hopefully this is a conversation you also gained from. Uh, You can subscribe to us by going on to www.newsrondi.com on the top right corner there's a subscribe button and you can choose which package you
2: want to get on. And listeners, if you are hearing this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or any other podcast platform, log on to newslaundry.com where you can check out our podcast player. You can also check out some of the other stuff we do like videos, ground reports and interviews.
0: Once again, thank you Arun and Akansha for joining us. And with that, this podcast is adjourned.